Welcome back to the Las Casas Community Church Podcast. Now, whether you're listening to this on a Friday morning or a Saturday, maybe Sunday, I can ensure you this, there's nothing like a Wednesday night Bible study at LCC. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Abraham, Isaac, and uh, Sarah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yes um so god covenanted with abraham numerous times that he would give him a child through his wife sarah it would be up to god to bring him a child yet sarah took matters into her own hands and gave him her maidservant hagar to have a child on her behalf a common practice in their day abraham had a son with hagar his name was ishmael he was a child born out of impatience, yet God never reverted from his plan for Abraham to have the son of promise, Isaac. Hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about it like that. Impatience. Where I got that from was Craig Green. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. The hostility and brokenness between the two sons are still felt today. They each founded great nations. Ishmael founded the Arab nations that are predominantly Muslim. Isaac founded the Israelites, or Jewish people. So let's go ahead. uh, We've seen the prophetic announcement of Ishmael to Hagar by the well called the well of the God who sees me. Today, we're going to look into how the birth of Isaac is announced. Okay, so let's go to Genesis 18 in uh, verses 1 through 15. So Genesis 18, 1 through 15. Yahweh appeared once again to Abraham while he lived by the oak grove of Mamre during the hottest part of the day as Abraham sat at his tent door. He looked up and suddenly three saw three what? He looked up and suddenly saw three men standing nearby. As soon as he saw them, he ran from his tent to welcome them. He bowed down to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, don't pass me by. Stay for a while with your servant. Okay, so stop. Mm -hmm. Abraham is recognizing these men. Mm -hmm. So how many times has he seen Yahweh so far? It was several. He isn't it. It's where it'll say, and Yahweh appeared to him, and Yahweh came in a vision. So he knows Yahweh, right? And so he's recognizing them from afar, and he's like running to them and welcoming them and bowing down to the ground, okay? Do angels let you bow down to the ground and worship them? No. So they're not, yes. And so the thing is, is this is, uh, a pre-incarnate Jesus who was coming to visit with Abram, or Abraham, and he knows him because he has seen him often, right? So where it has Lord, would that be the Adonai? Uh, yeah, I, yes, because in the Passion Translation, when they do Lord, it is Adonai, and if it's Yahweh, they actually say Yahweh. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I'll have some water 
brought to you all so that you can wash your feet. Since you've stopped by your servant's home and honored me with your presence, I'll have food prepared for you so that you can be refreshed. Then you can go on your way. Very well, they responded. Go ahead and do as you have said. Abraham hurried back into the tent and said to Sarah, Quick, we have guests. Get them three measures of fine flour, knead it, and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran to the herd, ran to the herd collected a tender choice calf, and told his servant, Hurry, prepare this calf for my guests. Okay, stop. Do you know when they had certain animals, uh, it was according to their uh, economic needs. So a bull or a bullock or a calf was a rich man's um, offering. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a middle class offering would be a lamb. Mm -hmm. And then a poor man's offering would be uh, doves. So he is giving him, uh, giving them the best. And he even says that he selected a tender choice calf. Right? This would be like veal today, which if you go to a restaurant is more expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's also telling how much he is uh, honoring them. Yeah. Then he brought the meal they had prepared, roasted meat, bread, curds, and milk, and set it before his guests. Abraham stood by them under the tree while they ate. They asked him, where is your wife, Sarah? He answered, over there in the tent. Then one spoke up and said, I will return about this time next year when your wife, Sarah, will, will certainly have a son. Sarah overheard it, for she was at the tent door not far behind them. Now both Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself with disbelief, saying, A woman my age have a baby? After I'm worn out, will I now enjoy a marital bliss and conceive with my aged husband? Yahweh knew her thoughts and asked Abraham, Why is Sarah laughing, saying, How can a woman my age have a baby? Do you think there is anything too marvelous for Yahweh? I will appear to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I wasn't laughing. But he said, yes, you were. Because <laughs> he knew. <laughs> so that was proof that it was Yahweh, too. Uh -huh. I mean, saying yeah. it. I mean, he read, it it's read in, her mind. Yeah, because it says that she laughed within herself. Right. Uh -huh. In the tent, which right. wasn't even where they were. Right. Yeah. So while Sarah's disbelief is recorded here, God did not remember it in his brag book of his people in Faith's Hall of Fame. Mm. In Hebrews 11:11, 11, 11, Holy Spirit inspired the writer to say this of Sarah. Sarah's faith embraced God's miracle power to conceive even though she was barren and was past the age of childbearing. For the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise and she tapped into his faithfulness it's beautiful what god chooses to remember now don't you think um sarah i mean because everybody wanted her and she was so beautiful i think i mean back then at that age they wouldn't age like that probably no. she would have been still more radiant yes mm -hmm. even though she was 90 
Right. Well, at this point, it's a year later at 90 when she has him, so she's 89. We can't comprehend it because <laughs> yeah. of what we would look like. But I know. It's, it's know, amazing. She's, several times they say how beautiful she is. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, Abraham was afraid. Yeah. In fact, uh, it's after this that uh, he lies again about her being his uh, his sister. But they were brother and sister. Half they were right. half. They had the same father. So Tara was also her father. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But they had different mothers. Okay. I know. I know. <laughs> Last time we looked at Genesis 17, where God changed the name and identity of both Abraham and Sarah. And again, promised them a son. God even tells them what to name their son. They laughed for joy. Genesis 17, 21 is a key verse. It says, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. The term set time used in this verse is the same Hebrew word for feast, moed, meaning an appointed time and place an appointment. This is the same word we just saw in Genesis 18, 14, in the phrase, at the appointed time. When it was time, God acted quickly. Mm. But there's more. What was that graph that was on the right? Oh, that's the Jewish calendar. Where would you like me now? Uh, okay. Yeah, see August. So Av, remember we talked about uh, last week was the ninth of Av. Yeah. You weren't here last week, were you? Okay. Yeah, that's where we are. Where's your pomegranates? I was trying to. Oh, I don't say pomegranate. I say figs left and right. Pomegranates. Uh, I know when I was there. They were uh, coming into season. And so where it says summer figs and dates mm -hmm. uh, in Tishri, it's it's around in there. Mm. Yeah, so it's around October, September, October is when the pomegranates come in. And so you can go over there and they'll have street vendors uh, where they'll uh, like have a press and they press uh, the juice out of it and then just give it straight to you fresh. Wow. Uh -huh. That would be cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, but there's more. We talked about this in Hebrew, good, but it's really cool. So the word, the Hebrew word for laughter is yitzchak. If you put the letter yud in front, it becomes yitzak, right? Or yitzak. <laughs> uh, and so with the yud in front, it means it is the name Isaac. Uh, if it's just tzitzak, it's so hard to say, mm -hmm. then it's laughter, okay? Uh, Isaac's name meant laughter. Uh, and so if you put the yud in front, then it's God's mighty hand of power outstretched, right, to do something. Mm -hmm. So it's God's hand coming forth with power to bring laughter. Mm -hmm. That's his name. Right? It's funny that she laughed. She laughed. Uh, exactly. And it was before he, they were told that it was supposed to be uh, Yitzhak before she even laughed. Oh, because God knew 
you know? Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Isaac's name means laughter. The absurd miracle birth brought God and these parents great joy. He has holiness and righteousness on either side of the root word. So that didn't put the U, the little U would look like a little apostrophe right there. But uh, this is the word for laughter. And if you look at it, this is a sade, which means righteousness. And if you look at it, even think even in modern, it looks like a person on their knees with their hands up toward God. Because they're in right standing with God. They're visiting with him. It's righteousness. Exactly. And that's what those are. They're like Ayins. Uh Yeah. And so... It begins with righteousness and it ends in holiness, which is kuf. Uh, to us, we would say, well, that looks like a P. And it does. <laughs> but this is what, uh, remember we were talking about when in the tabernacle and in the temple when they had the vessels, they would mark it with a kuf. And it was to say it's holy, it's set apart, because that's what holy means. Um, because sometimes I think we have this concept of holy is it's just out there and what is that, you know? But what holy is very simple. It just means to be separated uh, and set apart for a purpose. That's all. That's all it means. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's what holiness is. Um, and so that's why I was saying, even the vessels in the tabernacle and in the temple, they were stamped with a kuf. And that meant don't use them for everyday dishes, you know, um, they're for the Lord. So only use them in the tabernacle or in the temple. They were holy, set apart. Yeah. Um, so look. It begins with righteousness, it ends with holiness, and in the middle is a fence. It's a hut, right? Mm -hmm. And this is actually, of all the letters, this is one of my favorites. It just resonates with me, you know? And this one, it's a a fence, uh, and what does a fence do? It protects what's inside, and it keeps out what's outside. Right? And so this fence is causing, um, it's building an inner sanctuary. And that's the understanding of Chet. Okay, so here's what happened. God took the Sade, which is the number 90, and the Ku, which is the number 100. Okay, let me say why I'm saying it that way. Because how old was Sarah when she had Isaac? Ninety. Yeah. Okay. How old was Abraham when Isaac was born? One hundred. Get the word. I know, right? And so, you know what? Can God wait for a certain time? Because He was saying, "I'm waiting for the appointed time." He was bringing it together, and so in the middle. In her inner sanctuary, in her womb, she brings forth, and the main word for the letter Chet is Chai, which is life. And that's where Isaac comes from. 
Isn't it beautiful? Only God can do all that in a word. And he does. I know, right? This is laughter. Uh-huh. Isn't that just like, wow? <laughs> Only God can do that. So what, how would you say... Sarah, just as he said he would, and fulfilled his promise to her. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the exact time, which is Moed again, uh-huh. God had prom- promised them. Abraham named his son Isaac, the miracle son whom Sarah bore him. When Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded him. Do we know why he circumcised at the eighth day? That was when vitamin K peaked, and so uh, that would let the blood clot, and it was the perfect timing uh, to circumcise, and God knew that. And so, not the man. Well, I I know, (laughs) but it's still even to now they don't wait to the eighth day uh, because they give them a shot of vitamin K, you know, before they circumcise. But they even, for a long time, they figured that out, but they were just following what God told them to do. Because mm-hmm. he knew the human body right. and when to do it. Mm-hmm. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Interesting. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. 
And she added, Who would ever have told Abraham that Sarah would have one day nursed children? Even though Abraham is an old man, look, I have given him a son. Isaac grew up and was weaned, and on the day Sarah weaned him, Abraham prepared a great feast. But Sarah noticed the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, was mocking her son Isaac. So she said to Abraham, Get rid of this slave woman and her son. Banish them, for the son of that slave woman must not come a courier with my son Isaac. Abraham was very upset over Sarah's demand, for Ishmael is his son too. God spoke to Abraham, Don't be distressed over the slave woman and her son. Listen to every word Sarah says to you, and do it, for it will be through Isaac your promise of descendants will be fulfilled. But rest assured, I will make the son of your slave woman into a nation too, because he is your son. Abraham rose up early the next morning, bundled up some food and a skin of water, and strapped them to Hagar's shoulder. Then he gave her his son and sent them away. So Hagar and her son Ishmael departed and wandered off into the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she grew desperate, so she left her son under a bush. When she walked, when she walked about the distance of a bowshot and sat down, for she thought, I can't bear to watch my son die. As she sat nearby, she broke into tears and sobbed uncontrollably. And God heard the voice of the boy. The angel of God called out to Hagar from the heavenly realm and said, What's the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid, for God has heard the voice of your son crying as he lies there. Get up, help the boy up, and hold him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes to reveal a well of water. She went over to the well and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a long, cool drink. God was with Ishmael as he grew up in the wilderness of Paran, the place of caverns. He became an expert archer, and his mother, Hagar, arranged a marriage for him with an Egyptian woman. So why would God take care of this child like that, to know that he's going to be Muslim? Because he was the son of Abraham. He was honoring Abraham. Because, you know what, do you remember even before when um, God came to, to Abraham, he never mentioned Ishmael. Abraham did. Abraham was like, and what about Ishmael, my son? And he said, and Ishmael, whom you have mentioned. You know, and so, and again, here, Sarah doesn't have a problem with him leaving, but Abraham does. And it, and it makes mention a few times it's his son, and, and he's upset by it because it's his son, you know. Um, so God honors Abraham. It wasn't his plan, but he honored Abraham. Mm. Yeah. Right. So I'm excited about the next part. It was in the Passion Translation of the um, devotion. Oh. It was really, it's really. It, Genesis 22? Mm -hmm. Genesis 22 is really good. Mm -hmm. It's just good. Yeah. All right. So, uh, the test of a father's love. The account of God calling Abraham to sacrifice his son, the son of promise he waited so long for, seems incomprehensible. It is. 
but it wasn't for no reason. God called him to do that, to give a foreshadow of a decision that he would have to make later. He wanted the world to understand how hard it was for him to make and the heartbreak it would take for him to do it. So let's look at Genesis 22, 1 through 19. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said, Abraham, yes, I'm here, Abraham answered. God said, please take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom I know you dearly love, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him up to, to me as a burnt offering in one of the mountains, which I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham cut the wood for the burnt offering loaded it on the donkey, and set out for the distant place God had shown him. He took with him two of the servants and his son Isaac. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the young man. Isaac and I will go up and worship. Then we will return to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on Isaac's back. Abraham carried the knife and fire, and the two of them walked up the mountain together. Father, Isaac broke the silence. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the wood and the fire, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for our burnt offering? Abraham answered, my son, God himself will provide the lamb for an offering. So they went on together. When they arrived at the place, at Mount Moriah that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar and stacked the wood on it. He tied up his son Isaac and laid him on top of the wood on the altar. Then Abraham took the knife in his hand to plunge into his son. But the angel of Yahweh called to him from heaven, saying, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, I'm here, he answered. <coughs> Do not lay a hand on the boy or harm him. For now I know you are fully dedicated to me, since you did not withhold your son, your, your beloved son, from me. As Abraham looked up, his eyes fell upon a ram, caught by the horns in a nearby thicket. Abraham took the ram and sacrificed it on the altar as a burnt offering on Isaac, in Isaac's place. So Abraham named that place Yahweh Appears. Even to this day, it is said, on Yahweh Mountain, there is, a, there is vision. Yahweh's angel spoke a second time from heaven. I solemnly promise you, by the glory of my own name, decrees Yahweh, because you have obeyed my voice and did not withhold from me your son, your beloved son, I will greatly bless you. I will make sure your seed becomes as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand of the seashore. Your offspring, offspring will take possession of the city gates of their enemies because you have obeyed me. The entire world will be blessed through your seed. So Abraham and Isaac returned to their waiting servants and they departed for Beersheba, Beersheba. Uh -huh. where Abraham had settled. Isn't that a beautiful account? And it is so loaded. Yes. Okay. 
loaded full. Um, so first, this passage starts with the word, uh, the words, sometime later, God tested Abraham, right? This was not to show God who Abraham was and how deeply committed to him he was. God already knew that. His promises earlier reflect that with full assurance. How many times had he already said to Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants like the stars in the sky? Uh -huh. He'd already told them that. So he knew what Abraham would do, but Abraham didn't know what he did. Right? Um, so instead, it was to prove to Abraham where his heart was and how far he was willing to trust God. God asked for the ultimate sacrifice, his son, the son he dearly loved. It's interesting to note, it is the first time God inspires the writer to use the word love in all the scriptures. Yeah. Right here, yep. And it's in reference to a father and son. Yeah. Yes, it is. This event is something God personally and painfully related to with all his heart. God intimately knew how hard this would be for Abraham. Abraham did not falter. He believed God. He believed God would give him that son back from the dead, and symbolically, God did. Abraham knew Isaac was the son of promise, through whom a nation would come. Even if he offered him up, God had promised, and he believed him. He knew this to be the case because of what we know this to be the case because of what Abraham said to his servants in verse 5, saying, we will return to you. He was believing God for the miraculous. Mm -hmm. That is some faith right there. <laughs> Yet this had to be a burnt offering. And so I looked into that. What is a burnt offering? And very interesting. This was significant because a burnt offering totally consumed the animal being sacrificed. Because some of the sacrifices that you had, you were able to eat the animal after, right? This was not. Not that at all. It was completely consumed. The Hebrew word for a burnt offering is ola, meaning to ascend, but literally it means to go up in smoke because nothing is left. There would be physically nothing left of this kind of sacrifice. One could offer a burnt offering at any time to cover or atone himself or others for the purpose of having a renewed relationship with God. A burnt offering allowed the one offering it and God to freely fellowship with one another. So this was before the uh, before the festivals and yes. all that. Okay. None of that had been given yet. Okay. So this is completely God-led with Abraham. Now, it is thought that the burnt offering is actually, do you remember when um, God sacrificed the animal uh, to get the, the skin for Adam and Eve? It's thought because they didn't eat meat at the time. Mm -hmm. They didn't need the meat. It was a burnt offering. It was so that they could fellowship again with one another because sin had separated them. Okay. Right? 
And then the another time that we see this is with uh, Cain and Abel. Same deal. They weren't going to eat the meat. It was uh, uh, what Abel was acting out what he had seen Adam do, right? And so it's so that they could fellowship with God. That's what the whole intent was. Um, and then over here, it talks about in Leviticus 1 is where it talks about a burnt offering. Uh, this sacrifice represented complete dedication and surrender to God. The animal, usually an unblemished male, bore the worshiper's sins and died in his or her place. So they would actually lay hands on the animal to identify with it, right? So that uh, it was taking on their sin and then there was nothing left. That's a picture in itself because nothing was left of their sin. Do you get it? Let me say that again. It's Jesus. So they would put their hands on the animal and that would be identifying with the animal and putting their sins on the animal. And in a burnt offering, nothing was left. All the sin that they had put on the animal was gone. That would be a hit, right? That would be, no, that would be a cough. Mm-hmm. Oh, trying to link the cover. Yeah. Oh, no. It's the cough. And what that is, is a covering. We're talking Hebrew. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you get this? And it's beautiful. The more you get into it, it's like, wow. Okay. So after the blood was sprinkled on the altar, the animal was completely burned up. None of it was roasted for eating. None of it. It was completely gone. The ironic thing about a burnt offering, particularly, is it was considered as worship to the Lord. The Hebrew word for worship is the verb shakah, meaning to bow down humbly to the ground in reverence. The Hebrew, uh, ancient Hebrew pictographs tell us more about what it is to worship. The ancient letters in shakah are sheen, chet, and hay. For Abraham, all of his walls were being knocked down by his determination to give the Lord all that he held most dear. His miraculous son, he waited 25 years to get, and God received it as worship. You know what? I left out a sentence there. Let me tell you what the sentence was that I left out. So... Uh, where you've got sheen, chet, and hay, right? What that is telling you, what it's meaning is the walls are falling down. And that's what worship is. It's where we take our uh, ourselves and we let our walls come down mm-hmm. with God, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so we are just coming before him. But I want you to see that it's in connection with a burnt offering, right? Let me tell you, this is the first time that the word worship is ever used in Scripture too. This is a lot of firsts in this chapter. Uh, so worship is connected with a burnt offering. And this is not the only time. 
So check this out. For Abraham, all of his walls were being knocked down by his determination to give the Lord all that he held most dear. His miraculous son, he waited 25 years to get, and God received it as worship. Because you know what? Worship is not about songs being sung. I almost hate that in church services, people, when they go with praise, they call that worship. It's not worship because people get a wrong mindset of what it is because they want to think, oh, I just go sing some songs and that's worship. No, that's not worship. <laughs> right? Um, so here is where we're getting a definition of worship. It's important to note that here in Genesis 22, 5, where it says, Abraham told the young men, Isaac and I will go up and worship. Then we will return to you. This is the first mention of the word worship or shachah. When something is mentioned in scripture for the first time, it sets a precedence for how it's to be used and understood every other time. Worship is not about moving music. It's not about atmosphere or anything of the sort we associate with it today. Worship is about laying all that we are and have before God as a burnt offering until nothing is left except what ascends before him. This was understood in ancient times. That's total surrender. Yep, that is worship. Later, we see the Israelites ask Pharaoh to leave Egypt for three days so they could offer burnt offerings in worship to God. In Exodus 7, 6, 8, 1, 8, 20, 9, 1, 9, 13, 10, 8 through 11, and 10, 24 through 28. It was at the time of the plagues on Egypt. Each time Pharaoh refused to let them go worship by, by offering their burnt offerings to God then another plague would befall the Egyptians. God called for the Israelites burnt offerings and worship because he wanted them to renew their relationship with him. They had been in Egypt far too long. God calls for our worship too. He is looking for us to give him everything that exalts him above all, most importantly in our own hearts. When we willingly bow down before him, he is able to exalt us. But if we refuse, our own pride and ignorance causes our own destruction. And that's like in, in James 4.10, um, you know, if we humble ourselves before the Lord, then he will uh, come, he, he will draw near to us, right? And then in Proverbs 16.18, pride comes before fall. And then I put this over here too, 2 Chronicles 29, 28, same deal. Look at the two going hand in hand. The whole assembly was worshiping. The singers were singing and the trumpeters were playing. All this continued until the burnt offering was completed. Mm. So what are they doing? They're worshiping and how are they doing it? With burnt offerings. So it's not, they did have trumpeters, they did have singing, but it wasn't about that. It was about the burnt offering because it was the burnt offering that went up in smoke that ascended before the Lord so that he could come near them. 
Amen. That's what it was about. And that would be a foreshadow of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It would be. And it's in our offering ourselves. Because he still is asking for the same thing. It's just the way you said it. It was like it, it ascended uh-huh. so that he could come. Because that's actually what the word worship means. Um, uh, no, I'm going to take that back. It's not right. It's Ola, which is the word for burnt offering, means to ascend, to go up in smoke. It's, it's the word for burnt offering. Okay, so there's so much to this chapter. <laughs> At the same time, God called Abraham to go to a certain place to offer his son. It couldn't just be anywhere. It had to be where God showed him on Mount Moriah, right? Moriah is a compound human, oh, human, <laughs> Hebrew word coming from Ra'ah to gaze upon in Yah, a shortened, yeah, it's actually not the same word. No, it's not. I, I was thinking that too, but it's not. Um, but it, uh, Ra'ah is to gaze upon and Yah is a shortened name for Yahweh. Thus, Mount Moriah was a place of visitation with Yahweh. It also tells us that God would show Abraham where on the mount to specifically go. We know later the temple was built upon this same mount, and thousands of sacrifices would be made so God could visit with them there. It was a precedent that God was putting there, right? Um, and he was, he was having all these sacrifices there so God could come visit. It was also not far from here where Yahweh would sacrifice his own son, the son that he dearly loved. I love the 14th verse here that says, So Abraham named that place Yahweh Appears. Do you know what another name for that is? It's funny that that is how the Passion Translation translated uh, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. Is Yahweh appears? Is Yahweh appears. Yeah. Because what we always hear uh is the Lord provides. But yes. So let's, we're about to get into that, okay. but it means the same. Okay. It's all the same. Um, so Abraham named that place, uh, Yahweh appears. Even to this day, it is said on Yahweh's mountains, there are mountain, there is vision. And understand what it would be later, uh, what it would later become. God always has a plan. So we also need to know the same word for only son is Echid. It's the same word used in John 3.16 when it's translated into Hebrew. So that only son, you know, he's identifying, God is, with Abraham. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his Echid, his only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay, apparently Abraham kept God's command to himself to go sacrifice Isaac. He didn't tell anybody. Because honestly, I bet he was thinking, God, I hope you change your mind. 
I mean, right? Yeah. He didn't tell Sarah. He didn't tell Sarah. She'd have taken over. Yeah. Yeah, she very much would have, wouldn't she? So Isaac carries the wood for the sacrifice on his back. The wood meant for him to be sacrificed upon. Wow. Just like Jesus. Uh-huh. And you know, and I didn't include this, but you know what? What did he ride on the way up there? A donkey. donkey. What's on the back of a donkey? A cross. Yeah. It's beautiful. And so the foreshadow continues. This is exactly what Jesus did with his cross. As Abraham and Isaac are readying everything in verses 7 and 8, it tells us Isaac asked, but where's the lamb for the offering? Abraham answered, my son, God himself will provide the lamb for an offering. This phrase of the Lord providing is where we get another name of God, Yahweh Yerah, uh, for the first time. Most of the time it's translated Jehovah Jireh, meaning God will provide. Notice it isn't for financial gain as most use it today. It's in the context of a sacrifice for a burnt offering, something that would go up in smoke, but it would bring the person offering it into fellowship with God. So it doesn't tell Isaac's age. There are a lot of speculations on his age, but when it just said my son, in Jewish perspective, they don't call him their son until they... That is actually, I looked into that, mm. and uh, that is a, that is not quite correct. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. Until they, well, it doesn't give an age on that, but until they come to, because um, um, I remember reading some more about it too, but they, mm-hmm. they have to get what the father's doing. They right. have to kind of mimic what they do. And if they get it, I looked into that because that is so beautiful, but it's not quite right. Wow. wow. Okay. <laughs> I know, but it's beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Yurah, to provide, can also mean to be manifest, to, uh, to be seen, and to appear. So, where was it to happen? On Mount Moriah, the future home of the temple and where Jesus would later enter in to be crowned king over his kingdom on that very mountain. God would provide his lamb so he could just not just visit, but live among his people in the Messianic kingdom. Because when God is looking at something, he's not looking at, oh, I'm going to fulfill it one time. No, he's like, I'm going to fulfill it this time and this time and this time and thousands of times until it's time for the ultimate. Mm. right mm. look at the feasts mm. how many times have they practiced that did dress rehearsals mm-hmm. of the feasts mm-hmm. and then he takes it to an ultimate mm. this is the fulfillment right mm-hmm. that's what he's doing here mm. because and when Jesus goes in to be crowned king into the eastern gate and he takes over his kingdom as king mm-hmm. that's the ultimate fulfillment mm-hmm. right so he's setting it up, is what he's doing. Abraham's prophetic words of God himself will provide the lamb for an offering rang true. 2,000 years later, John the baptizer declares this upon seeing Jesus. 
Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came to be that Lamb. He came to be the sacrificial Passover Lamb whose blood covered the life of his people and covered their sin so he so that they could forever fellowship with God. Think about this with the, the lamb, right? The lamb was the middle class animal. Now, at Passover, it had to be a lamb anyway. But for, I'm thinking more for a burnt offering. You know, who was going, what, what was going to be made for most people? The lamb. And so what would the priest do? They would lay hands on this. On, on the animal, and then they would um, let it go up in smoke in a burnt offering, and that was worship, right? And they were putting their sin on them, and the sin would go away. There would be nothing left because it had taken it. So Abraham goes on with all the intent of sacrificing his son. It says a lot for the obedience of Abraham, but also for Isaac to get up on the altar. Abraham was an old man. There's no way he could have overpowered his son Isaac and forced him onto the altar. No, Isaac willingly obeyed, knowing he was the sacrifice for a burnt offering. I was thinking about that too, what that would have been to do with Isaac. Mm -hmm. It says a lot. Isaac had seen sacrifices done in the past. He knew what they meant. This was the ultimate trust in God and in his father. Only when Abraham raises his hand to plunge his knife into Isaac does God stop him and tell him not to lay a hand on his son. Then Abraham sees the ram, a male sheep, that God had arranged to be caught in a thicket nearby for the sacrifice instead of Isaac. You know, God put that, that ram there at just that moment, right? And why did he use a ram? Okay, for one thing, it had to be a male sheep, okay? And they usually were a year old, so a ram, but there's more to it than that. Actually, a lot more. Do it than that. <laughs> Think of the ram's horn. The ram's horn, and that's why they celebrate with a shofar, um, and that's uh, with the feast of trumpets. Yeah. Do you mean to give you another thing? Abraham was the beginning of a new age. Mm, they the were uh, no, uh, they were not doing the bull anymore. They were letting that one go, and it was time for the ram to be um, the, the sign for uh, that age. And so this is the beginning of that. And so uh, Moses was not the one who brought in that age. It was Abraham. And so this became the chief animal that was sacrificed through that age. Right? I know. When is this at the bottom? It says Genesis 22, and then it says Joe Haynes 129. Oh, I don't know what that is. It, it's just a picture that I found on Google Images. 
But it's for uh, Genesis 22 because it's the ram caught in the thicket. Well, it looks like it's like a yeah. scripture. John's one twenty-nine. Oh, that's John. John one. Uh, and you know what? That it's behold, uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. L-A-H-A-N-N-E-S. Mm-hmm. That's John. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. So Jesus tells us that this is right after, tells us this uh, right after John 3.16. You know, so everybody focuses on John Mm 3.16. Almost everybody knows John 3.16. If they know anything, they know John 3.16, right? Um, But it's so important to look at what's John Mm 3.17 through 21. It's just as important, right? Uh, it says, God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. So now there is no longer any condemnation for those who believe in him, but the unbeliever already lives under condemnation because they do not believe in the name of God's beloved son. And here is the basis for their judgment. The light of God has now come into the world but the hearts of people love their darkness more than the light because they want the darkness to conceal their evil. So the wicked hate the light and try to hide from it for their lives are fully exposed in the light. But those who love the truth will come out into the light and welcome its exposure for the light will reveal that their fruitful works were produced by God. So Jesus has been our sacrifice He has been our burnt offering, the one that we place our sins upon, and then they go up in smoke and are no more. Amen? So, we still did that very quickly. This seems to be a good place to close. Uh, Next time, we're going to continue with the life of Isaac. Uh, We will see Sarah's death. Isaac's marriage to Rebecca and the birth of their children, Jacob and Esau. Thank you for listening to the Las Casas Community Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Las Casas Community Church. Be sure to like, share, follow, and leave a review for our podcast. And as always, if you have any questions, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to answer those for you. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.